Welcome to the eighth and final episode in Rabbis and Disciples. We're going to be tackling the passage where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. Word of warning, this one's explosive. And hey, if after watching this video you find it helpful, like this video, subscribe to our channel, and share this teaching with someone you think could benefit. All right, let's dig into this last episode. Hello everyone, I'm Brad Gray and welcome to the Teaching Series Podcast. I've learned that most of us have never been taught how to engage the Bible the way it was intended in its original context and we are missing out on so much. I created the Teaching Series, which is a weekly video series that explores some aspect of the Bible in its original context and then talks through how we can apply it well to our own context. This podcast is the audio version of those highly visual video teachings, which can be found at walkingthetext.com. Please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and let's jump into the episode. Well, this has been such a fun series to do, and I couldn't think of a better way to end than looking at one of the most stunning, compelling, helpful, and challenging things Jesus ever said, recorded in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a passage many of you know really well, but I got to tell you, there is so much more going on in this passage than most people know, and I find it to be absolutely stunning and helpful for us as we conclude this series on rabbis and disciples. And so I want to unpack for you what Jesus just did here because his audience would have been stunned. Their jaws would have been on the ground. And Jesus did some things here that nobody had the audacity to do, but Jesus did. And we're going to understand that. But in order to understand what's going on here, I need to remind you of something called remes. If you followed us for any length of time, you know this word, you know it well. But for those of you who are new, let me just catch you up to speed. Remes is a Hebrew word meaning hint. And the idea is, is that when a rabbi was teaching, they would engage in remes. And it was the practice of mentioning a key word or a phrase that would hint at a passage from the Hebrew scriptures with the assumption that the audience would know its broader meaning and context and then import that context into the current teaching moment. So you mention a keyword or phrase, your audience goes, oh, I know where that's coming from, and they drag that context from the Hebrew scriptures into that present teaching moment. Now, by the way, anytime that you, you know, mention a movie line in a conversation to get people to laugh, you're engaging in remes because you expect them to know the reference, bring it into the present moment, and laugh even more at what you just said, that is remes. And remes is everywhere in what Jesus is doing in these short three verses. So let's start at the top. 
come to me. And by the way, anytime a rabbi was teaching, the audience, knowing that the Hebrew scriptures was the foundation for everything, would always be listening for the echo, the remez. Is the rabbi drawing from something because you had your acute like mind ready to go to make those connections. And so come to me. You ask the question, is there any passage about come to me? And you go to Isaiah 55, 1 to 3, and the language is all over. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. So this is from Isaiah 55. There's a larger context. This is after the Babylonian exile. The people are trying to get their feet underneath them. They're struggling. They're running into challenges. And Isaiah records the very words of God. And God is saying, I want you to come to me. Now, recognize this for a moment. When Jesus says, come to me, and the context of the rest of this fits that context in Isaiah 55, 1 to 3, Jesus has just done something that no rabbi would ever do. Quote the very words of God as their own. And Jesus does this to say, come to me. And then he says, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Again, you go, is there any place that talks about this language? And by the way, I'm not giving you all of the connections. I'm just giving you the high point connections. I will give you rest. You go, wait a minute. That's, there's something in Exodus 33. So verses 12 to 14, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. It is a direct quote. And now for the second time, Jesus has done something no rabbi would ever do. He has quoted God's words as his own. And in the context here, it's talking about God's presence being with Moses and the people. And God says, and in doing so, I will give you rest. It's like Jesus is not just claiming God's words as his own. He's speaking into the identity of who he is. He is God's presence. And so he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Again, the jaws of the audience on the ground. And then Jesus continues, and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, anytime something is repeated, really pay attention to it. Twice here, Jesus says, my yoke. 
Now, what was a yoke in Jesus's day? Well, from a literal perspective, a yoke was an apparatus that affixed two beasts of burden together in order to pull a plow or to pull a cart. Typically, you've got you know, a couple of, you know, cows that would be, you know, put together or a couple of cattle. Here you have a donkey that is also part of the mix. But it was an apparatus that affixed these two animals together in order for them to work together to do something productive. Carrying a cart, dragging a cart, plowing a field, etc. But in Jesus's day, the idea of a yoke was used metaphorically as well. It had illustrative purposes. And so one of the slides that I've been showing you throughout this series is that a disciple, someone who wanted to be a disciple, would pursue a rabbi to study under, and it had to be a rabbi with authority. Now, we talked about this in the authority teaching, where the rabbinic ordination the smicha, and then you received reshut. And one of the things that I said is that a rabbi with reshut could pass legal judgments, could raise up disciples to follow him, but also to introduce new interpretations. And all of this is correct, but what I incorrectly taught you in this series, self-admitting right now, to my utter horror, I just figured it out, is that when a rabbi introduced new interpretations, I have been saying to you that that was the rabbi's yoke. That is actually wrong. It is false. It is inaccurate. Whatever word you want to ascribe to that, that is not correct. What I do for every single teaching series episode is I don't just teach you what I know. I am going back and spending hours looking at all the research, double-checking details so that I am always teaching you accurate information. I don't ever like to just lean on the scholarship of one person. I want to know what is the plethora of the conversations around this. And when I dug into the yoke to my utter shock, I realized that somebody had taught me this incorrectly, and it wasn't just me that fell prey to this. This idea of a rabbi's interpretation being called their yoke is all over different writings that people have done, and it's all false. Now, here's what is true, is that if you were a disciple that pursued a rabbi and was accepted into their Talmudim, you would focus on the rabbi's interpretation because every rabbi had a different way of understanding God's word or ordering the commandments. And so Hillel had his, Shammai had his, Akiva had his, Jesus had his. And so that is absolutely true that a disciple would focus in on the rabbi's interpretation. What is inaccurate is that that interpretation was called the rabbi's yoke. Yoke was not used in that way, but it was used in Jewish society in connection to a few things. So in Jewish literature, if you were to find and search all Jewish literature, and this is something I did here, is that you have being yoked to wisdom in Ben Sirah, or Ecclesiasticus, this is one of the apocryphal books. It was composed in roughly 175 BC, so, you know, long before Jesus, and this would have been common parlance among the people of Jesus's day, is that when you talk about yoking yourself to someone, or yoking yourself to something, they would say, oh, 
Ben Sira talks about being yoked to wisdom. When you get into the Mishnah in Perke Avot, again, the ethics sayings of the fathers, it's talking about being yoked to the Torah, being yoked to the commandments of God. In another part of the Mishnah in Barakot 2.2, you are yoked to the kingdom of heaven, i.e. the rule and reign of God advancing in the world, living out God's ways in the world. You yoke yourself to that. That's in connection to Torah, the commandments, which is the greatest source of wisdom. So you can see how this is all connected. But here's what I want you to hear very clearly because this just accentuates what Jesus says to the audience, you know, here in Matthew 11, is that no rabbi, scholar, Pharisee, teacher, or scribe ever called their interpretation of Torah their yoke. But Jesus did. He said, it is my yoke. And he does it twice here. I mean, to make sure everybody emphatically understands, Jesus is saying, this is my yoke. And what's astounding about this is it's like Jesus says, you know, Torah, wisdom, the commandments, the rule and reign of God, the will and way of God going out in the world. Yeah, that's my yoke. And it's like the most overt statement you have of Jesus going, I gave Torah. I am the word now made flesh. I am the greatest representation of what God's will and God's way looks like in the world. You see, one of the things that we forget is that before Jesus was Jesus, before he was incarnated, came into human form, he's the second person of the Godhead. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one. They do everything as one. When God gives Torah at Sinai, Jesus gave Torah at Sinai. And it's like Jesus is saying, it is my yoke. Follow what I am doing. I am the one who gave it. I am the one who is interpreting it. I am the one who is teaching it. I am the one embodying it. And I'm the one training you to do the same. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because it's always been from me. I mean, can you imagine their jaws hitting the ground? It's like Jesus now has to validate this because he's saying, I want you to affix yourself to me, to my understanding, to my teaching, to my lifestyle, because this is what it's all about. And so Jesus now has to validate this. And I believe he does this when he says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Anyone listening to this would go, wait a minute, humble. Who is humble in the Hebrew scriptures? No way. Moses. Numbers 12.3. Now the man Moses was very humble. Not just humble, friends. Me'od. Very humble. More than any person who is on the face of the, on the, of the earth. Which, by the way, if Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, which tradition holds, then it is Moses who wrote, now Moses was very humble, more humble than any person on the face of the planet. It's, it's hysterical. Um, some of people think that this may have been you know, somebody, because we know that there were some edits into the first five books of the Bible. I mean, Moses didn't write about his own death after his death, right? So the end of Deuteronomy has that, and some people think somebody else put this in here because Moses was always known to be humble. Another conversation for another day, just know that in God's word, Moses was humble. 
And when you look at Moses in Jesus's day, people were looking forward to the fulfillment of a prophecy given in Deuteronomy 18, 15. Moses gives this to the people of Israel just before they come into the land and just before Moses dies. This is brand new information. We do not have this prior to this moment in Deuteronomy 18. Moses is speaking and he says to the people, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And then just two verses later, it's recorded, the Lord said to me, what they say is good. So this is now God speaking. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. So there was a second Moses that was coming that was going to lead a new exodus, just like the first Moses led the first exodus. And the people are enslaved. They're under the oppression of Rome in the first century world. They're looking for this new exodus. They're looking for the second Moses. And they know that God's going to put his words into this prophet whom they know is the Messiah. And the people are going to be held to account if they do not do what the prophet says, because God's words are in that prophet. Jesus is going, I am that second Moses. I am leading that new exodus. My words are true. Listen to them. And so he says, and I am gentle. And I just love the gentleness of what Jesus is doing. He's not beating it on them. Like they're spellbound in this moment. Their heads are spinning. They would have ruminated on this for a long time. And Jesus goes, listen, I am gentle and humble in heart. And if you take my yoke. If you do all of this, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Again, you have to ask yourself the question, is this a remes? Is he taking us back to another passage? Anybody who knows their text would go, this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. This was a very precarious time for the people. The northern kingdom had already been exiled and the Babylonians were on their way. Jeremiah is saying on the lips of God or God is saying through Jeremiah, listen, if you're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do, ask. Ask for the right path. Ask for the correct path and walk in it. And if you do, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying here, listen, I am that ancient path. I will give you rest for your souls. And what's fascinating is that it says, but you said we will not walk in it. And this is where, again, you see the brilliance of Jesus being played out because Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 has a context. And the context begins in verse 20. It actually begins before that, but where we emphatically see it, it says, then Jesus began to reprimand the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Capernaum. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Like he is challenging them and he is in a sense critiquing and condemning all of these people who are not willing to listen to him based on what he taught and he did. 
And so when it comes to this Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and he says, and you will find rest for your souls, you go back to Jeremiah and you realize that the people's response was, we will not walk in it. And Jesus goes, is that going to be you as well? Or are you going to take my yoke? And when you do, he says, you will find rest for your souls. And then he concludes with, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's like he's compelling and inspiring them to go, don't be like the people in Jeremiah who didn't listen. He said, listen, do. I know what I'm doing. This is going to lead to life for you. And that's why when it just kind of on first read, you recognize the rabbinic world, you go, I don't know if I would respond and, and, and classify or define the way of discipleship of following Jesus as easy and light. And yet, what I believe Jesus is doing here is he is saying, I am going to instruct you on how to live life well. Yes, life is hard. Yes, following me is difficult. But there is life in it. And I believe this is what Jesus means by easy and my burden is light. Is he goes, listen, if you submit to me, if you yoke yourself to me, I will teach you how to navigate life well. You know, as we talked in our last episode, being a rabbi was not easy. Being a disciple was not easy, but it was worth it. There was joy. There was exhilaration that came in the midst of the challenges of doing it well. And Jesus goes, I will bear the load with you. I will be with you in it. But friends, we have to be willing to submit to it. John Mark Comer in his fantastic book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, He just says this, he says, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That that for many of us, we make life harder than what life is supposed to be. Not saying that life is easy, but we oftentimes make it harder because we go our own way. We do our own thing. We do not submit to the yoke of Jesus Christ in our lives. It's almost like we think we know better and we make things more difficult than what they're supposed to be. And it's like we want the benefits that Jesus gives without the diligence and the hard work that comes along with it. But as John Mark so brilliantly comments, and he's quoting from some other people as well, is that if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And so when Jesus walked on the shores of the Sea of Galilee that day and said these words, follow me, it's the same words that he offers to us as well. And I believe that in understanding the yoke of when you're following him and what his yoke is and his interpretation and his lifestyle and his teachings and what he's doing, that Jesus is beckoning us with this question. Will you submit to my yoke? Will you allow me to walk beside you, to speak into you? Will you empty yourself of yourself and allow me to fill you up? Because as Jesus reminded his disciples, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that we're not just bearing the weight of the yoke on our own. It is Jesus who is bearing the yoke with us. 
and teaching us how to walk out well God's will and God's way in the world. And so when we come to this passage, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I pray that you do this and that you experience exactly what Jesus is saying in these famous words that I believe have taken on a whole new level of understanding and application for us today. And so friends, as we conclude this series, we've been asking questions throughout and I would just end with, what is God calling you to do? with what is in this episode or in any of the episodes in this series. How is God calling you to be a more faithful follower of Jesus in the world today? And with everything I have, I would just say to you, go after it. It's hard, it's worth it, and Jesus is with us. Amen and amen. Well, friends, thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this series. And as always, may you walk out the text well in your life.